Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God, and we did uh, a show this morning uh, on Habakkuk 3, and uh, we got through that, and I put together a little summary of uh, Habakkuk 3, but Habakkuk altogether, again, is one of those poetic uh, prophets uh, who uses the Hebrew language in a way in which he uh, uh, accentuates what words mean by adding letters to each word. Each letter has a meaning, and so he adds these letters, and that adds meaning to the words that he's using. He puts them in, because it's a poem, he puts them in a rhythmic pattern so that you don't just use one side of your brain. There's a famous scientist who's actually inventing uh, unbelievable things by the time he was 14 years old. He didn't live that far from where I lived when I was growing up. I was about 14 when he was. I'm not sure if we are really the same age. But uh, anyway, uh, he has done remarkable things over the years. And he wrote a book. And I read the book, oh, 50 years ago or more. And, uh, and he had a particular pattern to the way he wrote the book. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, the way in which he put the phrases down. And I wrote a book, uh, not a scientific book, uh, you, you might call it a legal book. I mean, the first person I brought it to to read was a lawyer, and uh, it was the covenants of the gods. And, of course, we know by the Ten Commandments that we are to make no covenants with them nor with their gods. And we know by the New Testament that uh, there are gods many. And there are them that say they are gods that are not gods. And that Jesus also said to his apostles, ye also are gods. But in what sense is he talking? And the same word that we see translated into God or gods is also translated into judges. And it's clearly you bring this matter before the judges and they use the word that we normally translate God. So even in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they referred to people as gods. But the question is, who's your God? And the fact is, is you make men gods over you by making covenants with them, covenants, contracts, and even constitutions. And so I wrote a book on covenants, contracts, and constitutions so that you would understand what a biblical constitution would look like. And a biblical constitution does not give up your right to choose. Your right to choose remains with you. And you can give up your right to choose by contract. You say that if I, if you give me this, I will do this for you. Like the one child contract, which I mentioned right away in the beginning of the book, The Covenants of the Gods. China was a totalitarian dictatorship. They could have the army march in and do anything they wanted pretty much. But they got people to sign a one-child contract. They agreed that they would have one child. And in exchange, they would receive gifts, gratuities, and benefits from the government. Extra food allowance, extra clothing allowance, etc. Because you agreed to only have one child, they gave you extra benefits. Uh, and they were your benefactor, and they gave, promised these extra benefits. So then you become pregnant a second time, and they hold you to that contract. 
you can actually have that child, but you have to pay back all those benefits they gave you for the first child. And uh, that's where millions upon millions of children, often girl children, were aborted because of that policy. Now, part of that policy was that when people realized they were going to have a girl child, they would abort them. Now, there's a certain spirit of control, and we talked about that in Habakkuk 3, is that if you want to take away the rights of choice from other people, the right of choice will be taken from you, cause and effect. As you judge, so shall you be judged. This is a common theme throughout the Bible. People seem to miss it. And I mentioned Prager U, or Dennis Prager, who did a deal on how would you know that murder is bad if you didn't read it in the Bible. Well, you know it's bad because if you murder, you give the right to others to murder you. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. So you know this is cause and effect universe. You look around in the universe and you see a cause and effect. And I also related this in the, in the morning show to DNA, that there is this quantum effect on DNA. And th- this is part of that cause and effect, which takes place on a quantum or spiritual level. That when you spiritually decide that it's okay to take a bite out of one another to get what you want, to fill your belly, to eat the fat of that that is in the net... And, of course, that's a reference to Habakkuk and some of what we, where the people worship the net that they're captured in. They actually worship the net that has captured them and, and seized them and imprisons them. And they worship the net because they get to eat of the fat of the net. And nothing is more clear to that symbolism in my mind, it may not be in your mind yet, then all these stimulus checks and gifts, gratuities, and benefits that the government is handing out to everybody, that they're giving out to everybody, is the fat of the net. And you eat of the fat of the net. And because of that, you must also worship the net. And a story I just shared on my Facebook page, if you want to join that, I'm, you know, uh, I'm on Facebook. You can find me. Go to Preparing You and find me on Facebook. But uh, the reality is that this, uh, I, I share the story of where they've got a new bill that is coming up, and uh, they will actually spend over a billion dollars bringing people who were uh, evicted from this country, deported from this country, in the United States, they're going to spend a billion dollars bringing them back to the country, even though they were uh, uh, deported because of the fact that they committed crimes. They uh, saw some serious crimes: murder, robbery, molestation, rape. Uh, they committed very serious crimes, and were. They're passing a bill to bring those criminals back to the United States by the hundreds of thousands. Why? Why would you do that? Well, of course, it's all about power. Now, the reason the Republicans cannot oust the Democrats, who are clearly 
doing everything that they're doing in order to seize power. And they're lying through their teeth, uh, saying, oh, it's all paid for. It's, you know, all these things, uh, it's already paid for. It's not going to cost you anything. It's going to cost you everything. Uh, but people don't see it. They don't want to believe it, so they just close their eyes to it. You know, take this vaccination, then it will make you safe. And yet, you know, myocarditis in young people has doubled in the last three months. Doubled. The incidence of myocarditis in young people has doubled in the last three months. Why? Is it all vaccinated? Well, a lot of it is vaccinated people, obviously. But it doesn't have to be. It can be unvaccinated children whose both parents were vaccinated. And that, that's a reality. Now, you don't have to believe me. I could go and find all kinds of evidence. And we do. We have uh, articles that preparing you, numerous scientists who talk about ADE. And uh, and we've, we've been writing about it, sharing it with you as it was unfolding. That uh, from the top scientists, we actually take you right to the studies. The links and footnotes take you right to the studies. You can read it yourself. Well, you know, the news media will say, oh, that's not true. Top scientists say, you know, like 97% of scientists agree that global warming exists. Well, I can tell you global warming exists because I got up really early this morning and this huge fireball rose in the east and uh, right away everything started warming up. That's called global warming. It does exist. It's not man-caused. Sun came up. And the driving forces of weather in the world today has always been the sun. That is the key driving force. And the sun has undergone changes. Why that some of the sun changes have taken place, well, that actually has to do with the quantum realm. Because <laughs> uh, the sun's uh, pretty much independent of us. Although, although, the choices we make does affect the universe around us. And it aligns us with a certain spirit. And the veil between the different spiritual realms out there, the quantum realms, let's call them quantum, you want to stay scientific, the quantum realms. And quantum isn't really the best uh, word. Even spiritual is not the best word because people have, a lot of people think that spiritual has to do with emotional. Their religions aren't spiritual. Their religions are emotional. That's why they're so involved with singing and and repeating of phrases as they're trying to recreate an emotion. I did this when I was in the seminary. I caught myself doing it. I saw myself doing it. And, of course, I realized that, oh, my gosh, these, uh, the, these this music and this singing is designed to stimulate an emotion. Wearing certain clothes at certain times, doing certain rituals. You know, like people say, if, you, if you're having trouble going to sleep, that you have to create these rituals where you don't eat after a certain time, you don't look at a blue screen after a certain time, you put on certain clothes, you, you know, you do go through a systematic process or rituals, and it starts setting up your mind to prepare to go to sleep. And that's true. It, that can actually take place. Those rituals can actually prepare 
your mind falls into this groove that I notifying every part of your body that you're about to go to sleep. Well, I suppose you could do that with certain rituals that uh, it's preparing your body to make really stupid choices. <laughs> you know, and that's why you watch the news. You watch the news, it tells you what to believe, and you go out and believe it and act as if it is true, even though it's not true. And, of course, if you go back to our studies on Amos and Hosea, we're talking about the mountains of Samaria, which are supposed to be the people that are gathered together to help you see the truth, to report the truth, to tell you the truth. They are corrupted. And, of course, that's what your modern media does. Because that's your... CNN has, for a lot of people, has become their mountains of Samaria. CNN said it, so it's true. I read it on the Internet, so it's true. You have no way of gauging the actual truth. Because you don't eat of the tree of life. You eat of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and all I have to do is regulate what you receive as knowledge, and I can regulate you. I can get you to be delighted that you are seized in a net and that you, uh, I offer you the fat of the net and you will worship the net that entraps you. And you will fight to the death. You know, you'll join the Marines or the uh, Air Force or the Navy and you'll fight for the debt, debt to the death to protect the very net that captures you and, and makes your children a surety for debt. And you, you, you have to repent. Think differently. That's what repentance is. Than anything you've ever thought before. And so what is your barometer? How do you tell whether you're singing the song of the wicked or singing the song of the lamb? Because I know a lot of people think they're Christians and they think they're singing the song of the lamb. They're singing the song of Christ. They have songs in their churches. But they're actually singing the song of the wicked and making their children a surety for debt, themselves nothing more than merchandise, and their children, of course, are also merchandise. They're, they're human resources. Uh, for the net that captures them and turns them into dinner, devours them, devours their life, devours their sweat and blood. And it's all around us, and we've all been deceived to one degree or another. And to awaken to it, we have to admit one thing, that we have been deceived. And then take another look at everything that we thought at one time was true, and just ain't so. So, anyway, I've done this summary of Habakkuk, and I pointed out some of the basics of Habakkuk, that uh, the basic theme, theme is the just shall live by faith. And and we see Habakkuk's statement that the just shall live by faith, repeated in Romans one seventeen and Galatians three eleven, and in Hebrews ten thirty eight. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And that is the deeds of the Nicolaitans. That is the deeds of Balaam. They draw back from living. By faith. 
because the just do not desire the wages of unrighteousness. Another way of saying that, the rewards of injustice. And the rewards of injustice is when you take away the right to choose from your neighbor to provide you with, like, free education. In America, there used to be all kinds of free education. You go to all the way to college, uh, Yale, Princeton, uh, Harvard. You could go and get an entire college education and never pay a dime into getting that education. If you couldn't afford it, you didn't have to pay. It was written into their charter. Didn't have to get a student loan out or any of that stuff. That's the way America was. That's what made America great. And there were black men. There were Indians who went to college and learned all kinds of things. Even before Harvard, there were actually Indians who they paid for their education, chiefs, sons, and things like that. They would send them to Europe to get top education in the universities in Europe and learn all about you know, the civilization that was over in Europe that they knew nothing about or very little about before the white man came. And there actually I read uh, where there was an Indian account where you you give all this knowledge to our sons and they come back useless. In other words, they don't know how to hunt, they don't know how to fish, they don't know how to survive in our realm, but they have all this knowledge. Well, that's true, That that did happen, but that... Also, many of them came back and knew how to do blacksmithing <laughs> and uh, make things and manufacture things. And they had this blend of knowledge. If they went when they weren't too young and they already had some knowledge, they came back with more knowledge. And this helped blend the the good parts of the Indian culture with the good parts of uh, the European culture. Now, of course, by the same token, some of the bad parts of the Indian culture might have gone over and learned some of the bad habits of the European culture. And so you get this mix. But that's always where you get this mix of people. That's diversity. The sharing of these different ideas. What the diversity that people are looking at now is not a sharing of the ideas in a conversation with different cultures. But What you have now is actually a segregation of ideas. The diversity is separating. And, of course, this is what Nimrod did. Nimrod created many gods. And you could be, you know, and the Romans did something similar. They had what they called sponsors. And you would be under this sponsor, under that sponsor, and your courts would be tied to this sponsor, and you would pay your taxes to that sponsor. And that's what Nimrod did. But he divided you up in sort of a sectarian sort of way, so there wasn't the nation of mankind. There were all these individual nations and cultures. And they they talked like this with diversity, but it wasn't a melting pot. It was segregating people by uh, their locality and their maybe the, some of their general philosophies found in certain areas. It wasn't blending them in a homogeneous group of people where there was a conversation between the different uh, ideas and ideologies. 
And that's, of course, what we see in the present movement that has been coming up for actually decades now, is they don't want you to have the conversation. And now they're even shouting you down and been doing this for numerous years now, shouting down anybody who has any ideas that might bring their idea of government, their idea of society into question. They get shouted down. They're an enemy. And this is this has gone on. They, these are the fascists. They have incorporated corporations in shouting down and censoring people. That's what fascism did. They they involved the corporations of society in their political agenda. It's a blending of this political agenda. Now, what is the deciding factor to, in the simplest of terms that show you what is good and evil that you can look at to begin to observe? Now, I want to put it in the simplest terms because in the simplest of terms you can just see it. And the idea is that freedom of choice is taken away. The one thing that made man man is God immediately gave him a choice. A choice that you could live by the tree of life that gives life, or you could live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Decide for yourself what you want to pick and choose to give you life. And of course, this is what you see in the new movements, is they not only pick and choose for themselves, they want to pick and choose what knowledge you get. And this this is not a new thing. That This went on before the Renaissance with the rise of the Roman Church and certain uh, rites within the Roman Church began to filter what you were allowed to read, what you were allowed to hear or understand, and they began to rewrite a great deal of history. And then they rewrote themselves as the heroes of history. And they took to their credit all the real descendants of the early church ministers, the early church, which was not taking away choices, but this new church that rose up at least by 1000 began to take away your right to choose. First they took away by simply removing certain information, and then they provided an interpretation of what information was made available. And, of course, when we began to translate the Bible into English so everybody could read it, or other languages so everybody could read it, they began to, well, first they tried to suppress that translation so that nobody did it, but then they had an army of ministers out there that were interpreting the the text and regulating the translations and filtering the information so that everybody came to the text with preconceived notions. And it's been pretty effective. But in Habakkuk, we talk about the horses of salvation and the chariots of salvation coming through this water, this deluge of ideas and information and people. And we also talk about the, well, they, they talk in there about the, 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 the bow of God, so to speak, being empty. 
And but they had also previously talked about the fact that you know the righteous are being overcome by the unrighteous. Now again, let's go back to the Republican and Democrat. Why can't the Republicans overcome the injustices we see coming up and the and the abuses coming up in the Democratic Party? It's because the Republicans aren't righteous either. <laughs> oh, they they have a semblance of righteous, but. There's their uh, their righteousness is soiled because they're socialists too. They're just not extreme socialists. Of course, evil always does this: divide and conquer. There is no Democrat. There is no Republican amongst Christians. Not real Christians. Real Christians aren't sitting around trying to figure out how do they can get blood out of their neighbor. They're not trying to figure out how to bite their neighbor. They're not trying to figure out how to take choice away from their neighbor. They're not trying to shut their neighbor up, censor their neighbor. That We see this huge, wicked censorship and shutting people down and attacking people and screaming at people in stores because they don't have a mask or they decided not to get a vaccination or they don't want to get their five-year-old vaccinated. They're attacked. This same thing was going on at the time of Christ. And when Christians started doing what Christians are supposed to do, which most modern Christians are not doing, they were attacked even more. They were physically attacked, burned, killed. And we see that burning taking place again during Inquisitions. Like, what was the line about... uh, Spanish Inquisition, who was expecting that? Well, expect it. It's coming. But your real armor is that you have to have on the full armor of God because you cannot withstand the persecution that is coming. You cannot fake this. There so many people, you know, I, I've, over the years we've had a lot of people come here and uh, and I can only speak about in although I have seen it in other places, but I can speak about it in my own experience, that people come here saying they want to see the truth, they want to be a part of this, but they really don't want to see the whole truth. And when the Holy Spirit comes into the room, uh, they can become uncomfortable. Now, they'll see this, and they'll see that, and they'll see this, and they'll see that, but they they don't want to see the whole truth because the whole truth involves them and where they're at. So anyway, we're clipping right along here in time and I haven't got to some of the things that I want to cover which is just basically go through a a systematic uh, review and summary of Habakkuk. And in chapter, chapter one I say, though we cry out because of a burden of violence, which is what we see today. That you take care of all the widows and orphans, you take care of the public school, you take care of Social Security and welfare, Medicare, Medicaid, because men who exercise authorities force the contributions of your neighbor. That's violence. John the Baptist said you don't do it by force, you do it by charity. Christ said you don't do it by force, you do it by charity. Moses said you don't do it by the strings and whips or the scorpions and whips of Rehoboam and Pharaohs and Nimrods. 
you do it by free will offering because you're giving the power of choice to your neighbors so that you will have the power of choice. Now, the fact that you have the power of choice does not put you back in the garden. But it opens the door that you may return to paradise. Uh, returning to paradise means that you have to return to the light. And returning to the light means that you have to be willing to see the bad that you've done, the selfishness in your own heart. And people find that difficult to see. They think they've repented because they got off drugs. Or they've repented because they don't do this bad thing or that bad thing anymore that they used to do. But maybe they're just older. <laughs> they don't have the stamina for the drugs that they used to do. But they will return. The dog will return to his vomit and the pig to his mire if he does not accept the light and see himself as he really is. And that is uncomfortable. In almost every case. But that is the sacrifice you have to make if you want to let God in. You have to be willing to let the light in. The light is what filters out the cockroaches of society. Not you. Not your intellect. Not because they don't have the doctrine that you have. It's because they either accept the light or they reject the light. If they reject the light, they will flee like cockroaches from the light and as you gather in congregations expect a turnover but you have to persevere that's a word Christ used to strive strive for what strive to regulate everybody else's beliefs no strive to sit down in the tens hundreds and thousands and start caring about your neighbor those that you immediately see and those you don't see and care about them with faith hope and charity through the sacrifice of Christ. Because the sacrifice of Christ, you breathe it in, you breathe out sacrifice. If you're going to church to get a good feeling, you're not going to see it. You're not going to get it. So, though we cry out because of the burden of violence and iniquity, which we see all around us now, because all the nations of the world have gone whoring after this socialist state which Christ was against. This idea of taking away the, the power of choice. Now, Socialism originally was not regulating every aspect of the economy. It just eventually has to get there because the economy begins to break down because you've taken away the right of choice. Now, many people take away the right of choice of their neighbors so that they can send their kids to public school and so that they can have the government take care of their parents and so that they do all these things. But eventually it gets around to the fact that the government's going to, because they're willing to regulate their neighbor in providing this impure religion, this provision for the widows and orphans and needy of society, eventually the government's going to get around to regulating every single thing they do. And this, of course, we saw that in Rome. I mean, I saw it in Rome because I actually read Roman history from more sources than I can even name. But they had price controls. They had, uh, you know, controls over what you could pay and what you couldn't pay. Uh, they took all the silver out of the coin. And they nominated a value for the coin and you had to use, you could not pay more for certain items. 
they had price controls, often, eventually, at certain times, punishable by death. And show you that during a very short period of time, by Roman history, it may be even shorter for us, that a, a loaf of bread, or what they call a modius of wheat, was six denarii. That's like 60 cents, six dimes, 30 pounds, uh, basically, of wheat was 60 cents. In the period of time before Constantine, a couple hundred years, the price of a modius of wheat went from six denarii to over a 100,000 denarii. But, of course, nobody had a denarii anymore because they'd taken all the silver out of the denarii and you didn't have the silver denarii anymore. If you got caught with silver, <laughs> you might be arrested as some sort of hoarder. And they confiscated food and they confiscated land and they confiscated lives. It was chaos. Now, judging by the way we do things now, it will happen much faster. It won't take 200 years. <laughs> but the same thing is going to take place because history does repeat itself. So God does not hear nor save us from the strife and contention uh, that this violence and iniquity comes when you have decided that it's okay to take a bite out of your neighbor in order to have free stuff. And that is just accentuated in the last two years, but it was bad enough before. The law is slack and judgment seems slow when we look at it. And now there are a lot of people praying for justice and for the judgment of God. Be careful what you pray for because you're going you're liable to get it. You need to be praying for mercy because you guys haven't been doing what God said for a hundred years in America. You've been going the opposite way of the way of God. You call yourself a Christian, but you take from one another through men who exercise authority in Christ that it was not to be that way with you. But you've been doing it. You have not been attending to the weightier matters. And I mentioned it this morning, you know, this Kyle Rittenhouse. So many people are saying he should have just stayed home. Yeah, let his neighbors' businesses burn, homes burn, be looted, shot, beat up. Yeah, just stay home. It's none of your business. Don't go there and protect your neighbor. I mean, the guy was attacked when he brought a fire extinguisher to an arson's fire and wanted to put it out. That's why he was attacked. It wasn't because he was wielding a gun. They just saw the opportunity. The guy had said earlier, the first guy who got shot, he said that if I catch you alone, I'm going to kill you. And that's what he attempted to do. He didn't have a gun because he was, you know, a mental patient and a felon, child molester. So he, but he tried to take Rittenhouse's gun away. And Rittenhouse struggled to not let him take it away. And eventually the guy got shot and and killed. And they're trying to make him out as some kind of, you know, the jury never got to hear the fact that he was a child molester just released from a mental hospital because supposedly that's not relevant. In my opinion, that is relevant. Because when you say that he was acting erratic, that doesn't mean much. But if you say that he was on drugs, prescription drugs at least, and that he was a mental patient and that he was a child molester and that he had a stay-away order and couldn't go home. And so he decided to go out and riot. 
They didn't hear all that. They're not supposed to hear that. It might sway their judgment. And it might. But I think it's being worthwhile to hear. But the fact is, you haven't heard the cries of your neighbor. Tell us to stay home. You don't want to attend to the weightier matters. You think that's the job of the net, of the government. That their job is to take care of the weightier matters. Well, looking at the DA there in Kenosha, they're not doing a very good job. <laughs> so anyway, but it goes on to sum up Habakkuk 1. But the terrible and dreadful judgment will snare the people in captivity. That's where you're at. You don't own your labor. You don't own your land. You don't own your children. And they will be forcing your children to get vaccinated. They will be doing that eventually. In some places, they're already doing it. Anywhere. And uh, grind the people into dust as they deal treacherously even when they sacrifice unto their net. Even when you sacrifice unto your net and you go and elect these leaders, no matter who you get, they betray you. They're going to grind you. They, they can't help it. They may even have good intentions to some degree, but they can't see because you're going to, not going to elect the leaders of light. You're going to elect people like Donald Trump. He's not a leader of light. He may, may you know, I don't want to pick on the guy. He might be better than Biden, but no, he doesn't see all of what he sees. Your choice is still the devil in the deep blue sea. What you have to do is start seeing the whole truth yourself. And that means you have to start seeing the lie that you have accepted, that it's okay to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. That was absolutely unheard of. You go read our article on Davy Crockett, that uh, the idea that the government is in charge of charity is an oxymoron. The government that you have created for yourselves operates by force of men exercising authority one over the other, to put them in charge of charity robs you of the righteousness of charity. You, you're not, government is not a charitable institution. It's an institution of force. This changes America in the quantum realm. It, it will change your mental state, your DNA, everything. Uh, they will serve the curse that snares them. That's what Habakkuk is telling us. The wicked surround the righteous because the people are snared by their own appetite and serve the system that captures them until the nations are slain. All I mean, like, they don't want any nations. You all be one government and you will be happy, according to uh, Klaus Schwab. And you will have nothing, and you will be happy. Uh, no, you won't. <laughs> and everybody's not going to have nothing because everybody's not snared in the net. Most of you are. Now, if you want to get out of the net, you have to follow the ways of Christ. It's the only way out. And I've, I've, I could be wrong about that, but I've done a lot of research over the last 70 years. I've done a lot of prayer. I've, uh, if God has shown me anything, it, their only way is the way of Christ. But you got to know the real way of Christ, not the fake way. Before there was fake news, there was fake good news. And that's how come you fell for the fake news, is because you had already previously fallen for the fake good news. To believe in Christ means that you will be doing what Christ said. 
if you're not doing what Christ said, it's pretty evident that you don't really believe in Christ. Because why call me Lord if you do not do the things that I say? And God has said this through all the prophets, that you are to live by faith, hope, and charity, by free will offerings, not by force. Nimrod used force. Pharaoh used force. Caesar used force. FDR used force. LBJ used force. Biden uses force. And uh, while, you know, Trump may not have used quite as much force, he still used force. He's still on the wrong side of the equation. That's the thing is, most of what you call right is still on the left side. If you want to get on the side of Christ, you have to think outside of this dichotomy, this this uh, paradox of ideas. You You have to repent and see the whole truth. So anyway, the the in Habakkuk two, 2, they talk about the faithful prophet goes into the high tower. Uh, Nimrod had a high tower, but that was a different kind of tower. You need to have the tower of Christ, the tower of righteousness. And he listened to the Lord. He learned to be still and listen to the Lord and and to the Lord's will, to do the will of the Father. And he was to write it down and make it clear and plain. And basically, this is where he says, the just shall live by faith. If you're not living by faith, if you're dependent or plan on being dependent or not doing anything so that you don't become dependent upon the rulers of force and violence who exercise authority one over the other, who take away from some to give to others, if you have justified that in your mind, you do not live by faith. You live by force. And your nation, your peoples will be spoiled. You will actually be degenerated. Because you will become accustomed to living by force. And accustomed to the appetite of living by the property of others. And because you have created a city of blood. And I have a link there on uh, preparing you under Habakkuk, under the summary of Habakkuk where you can go look up City of Blood. And that's where you say that let's create us a city and, and that is like a cauldron and we be the flesh. And and I'm going to show you also in uh, Zephaniah and others the same idea continues to be created. This is what Sodom and Gomorrah was. The people belonged to the state. They were human resources. The state shared its fat with them and they worshipped the state, but they were captured in the net of the state. And they became subjects of the state, human resources. Americans came here, supposedly some, maybe only about 30% came here, not to be subject, to be free. And it's a great ambition to be free, but if you don't, you don't put freedom first, you put righteousness first. And righteousness means Righteousness means you care about others as much as you care about yourself. So the people will become the booty, the merchandise. More links to articles on Peter saying through covetous practice, because you desire the rewards of the city of blood, you will become merchandise. Done deal. You've already gone there. They will be bitten because they covetous and evil covetousness. They will be devoured in the net. Uh, because they 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 end up 
desiring the benefits at the expense of their neighbor. They don't love their neighbor as themselves. They love the benefits, the rewards of unrighteousness. So many woes of those who make no room for the Lord in his holy temple. That means you. You're the holy temple of the Lord. So then we come on chapter 3 of Habakkuk. And I just jotted down just before the uh, show began uh, my summary of Habakkuk after this morning's show. And, and again, Habakkuk's prayer begins with the fact that he says he has heard the Lord, Yadevahe, the existing one, Yahweh. He has heard Yahweh. And he saw the brightness in the heavens with the authority of horns. That's what horns represent authority. Before that, there was a pestilence. And certainly we've had a pestilence. A pestilence of unrighteousness in the land and in the world today. And we have the extreme cases like Venezuela. And of course, uh, uh, you can go back a little bit in history. And we see the Soviet Union and, and China killed millions upon millions of people. Korea is still an example of that. This pestilence of the idea that it's okay to take from your neighbor. But it brings a disease of wantonness and destruction. But also, he says, burning coals from his feet, which affected the whole earth and the nations, and people were scattered. But there were the horses of salvation and thy chariots of salvation that ran through these waves. Okay, burning coals. What happens if you love your enemy with the love of Christ, with the love of the Father? He will be like hot coals upon his head. The same as I have seen people who halfway in their heart want to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, but they have limitations. They I, I will see this, I will see that, but I don't want to see this and this about myself. And they flee it. They run from it. And it is probably better that they flee than try to stay, because I've seen the guys try to stay, and when they left, they couldn't run anymore. They were crippled. Uh, you cannot cheat the truth. There is no lie in the truth. There can be no lie in you if you want to accept the truth. So mostly, salvation is about submission to the truth, to the light. Willing to see yourself as you really are. And I can guarantee none of you see yourself as you really are. It's a process. And it doesn't come all at once. Well, if it came all at once, you'd think you were in hell. And of course, that's where you will be. When the truth, all, all the truth... All hell is, is the truth, without the mercy of God. And you don't have the mercy of God because you didn't have the mercy of God to others when you were here on earth. And and so therefore you did not repent of your judgment of others, and so therefore you did not receive mercy. Because you had no mercy. As you judge, so shall you. That works both ways. So, anyway... In the cause and effect of creation, the earth is divided because oaths and the house of the wicked who devour the poor secretly. And I can give you all kinds of examples of how, you know, the, the inflation is going to kill the poor. It's going to devastate the poor. I mean, they're, they're going to be starving 
really. But some of them might wake up. There's an awful lot of fat, poor people in, in America, and they could use a little bit of uh, intermittent fasting to get them on the straight and narrow. But if you're going to go around blaming everything on the government, you have to re- realize that these are the gods that you have created, either through sloth or through overt desire to take away from your neighbor. You've been giving the government the power to give you everything you have at the expense of your neighbor, at the expense of somebody. And now they can take away everything you have at your expense. Because, yeah, but you, that same, as you judge, so shall you be judged. If you start having mercy for others, start sacrificing for others, start giving up your time, your energy, uh, for others. Casting your bread upon the waters. Not trying to control your minister, but giving to a minister who you see as representing the character of Christ. That has to be a minister of service. Not a minister who wants to isolate you from the kingdom of God so that he can have his little kingdom of congregation. But a minister who actually wants to do what Christ said, which is sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, start learning to take care of one another. Paul would have not known where to go in Galatia except that they were already organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. He would not have known where to go in Corinth. He would not have known where to go in Syria if they were not already organizing themselves in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You're not doing that. Some of you might be starting to do that. But are you going out there and checking the hedges and trying to find all the others who are willing to do that? Because you're running out of time. Of course, I don't want to frighten you because you don't want to move from fear. You want to move from righteousness. Do you really care about others, not just those that are friendly with you, but those you don't even know, as much as you care about yourself? So this prayer, the prayer is that I might rest in the day of trouble. Well, they don't mean take a nap. That you may not be devoured by the day of trouble, that you may not be overcome by the day of trouble, when there is no fruit or no meat, so that I will rejoice in the Lord, for the Lord God is my strength. Now, a lot of people say that, but they're not doing what Christ said. Will you learn the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? Because those songs are in harmony. And of course, this song of Habakkuk is also in harmony with that. The song of the Lamb is the song of Christ, who was the Lamb. And he says only 144,000, whether the number is specific or symbolic, was redeemed from the earth. Are those who could learn the song, it was or will be them that have gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. Now, just throwing away the mark of the beast, if you find out what it is, because the mark of the beast is has a symbolic reality, but it's really the beast nature, where you want to live at the expense of others. And some people say, well, I don't want any of those benefits. I will live without that, because you're young, and you're strong, and you're capable, and, and all that stuff. Will you have that same faith, faith when there is no fruit or no meat? And the key element that makes a difference of accepting the light of Christ, which is this light of creation, the breath of creation, this thing that has 
made this miraculous life exist everywhere on the planet. Whether you want to say, I don't believe in God, do you believe in life? Well, God has manifested in life. And the fact that there are millions, billions of people, billions and billions of living creatures interacting on this planet in a maze of life. Everywhere you look. I mean, even algae growing in the Arctic snows, turning the snow pink. How in the world is that going on? The bottom of the sea, and the blackness of the ocean, where pressures would crush anything. There's life, things living and reproducing. What? And you don't think there's a God? You don't think that there is some sort of mystical... Uh, quantum pattern creating this life everywhere. See, when I say God, I'm not talking about some old man sitting in a chair up in the sky. I'm talking about something that is consistently present even before the physical realm came into being. That brought this physical realm and the life in this physical realm into being. That exists. And you want to tap into that source of life and not get it secondhand through the tree of knowledge where you read about life and then you think you know about life. You know, you have to live life and let life live in you. And the way to do that, since we're in a cause and effect universe, is that you have to lay down your life for others. Isn't that what God did? God had the power of all kinds of choice. He could have made us all just a bunch of butt puppets. Or we don't have any choice at all. But he actually withdrew his power to make choices for you and gave you choice. Not a lot of choices, but basic tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which is basically the the choice between humility, you know, knocking on the door of faith, and hoping that God shows you what is right. Or by your own will, going out and trying to figure out what is right and play God yourself. First you play God with yourself and you decide for yourself, but it won't be long before you're going to be trying to decide for other people. And it brings you over into another realm. It pulls you into a realm inhabited by the souls of those who have made that same willful choice. And what that means is it pulls you into a realm where everybody is perfectly okay with taking away your right to choose. It's like I've, I've said, you, you do not want to have nothing but survivalists who whole goal in life is to survive. You don't want to be in a foxhole, in a bunker, with ten survivalists when the food runs out because you're on the menu <laughs> they'll eat you because their goal is their survival yeah, that is this that is suicide <laughs> you want to be with people who are willing to give up a portion of their life so that you can live that the ones who in the lifeboat, they will take their turn in the water, their turn at the oars. Uh, 
that will share their life so that you, you your life is important or as precious to them as their own life. That's who you want to be with. And you aren't welcome unless that is also your desire for them. The, the light that shines through them will expose you. You will not be safe. There is no trick to this. I can't give you a formula and you, you plug in all the, you know, plug and play kind of thing. It doesn't work that way. So you need to learn the song of the Lamb, which is the song of Moses. Uh, I, I assume Jesus was a better singer. <laughs> but anyway, that's why you should join us on the network. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, of thousands. Start caring about one another as much as you care about yourself so that the light of God will guide your steps. Until then, all I can say to you is peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.